0: Hey everyone, I was hoping to get this message put together sooner, but things like this unfortunately take time to set up. I just want to say that the acts of war against Ukraine break my heart, and I know as a prior service member myself that my thoughts and prayers go out to everyone who's fighting the fight that they really shouldn't have to. That being said, we have been working behind the scenes with all of our podcasts and podcast partners to put a fund together in order to pay for any refugee housing and other needs that go alongside that, like food, water, and any clothing needs. Internally, many podcasts in the Hospitality FM network have voluntarily given up sponsorship money in order to donate to the cause and are working on a unified message in order to spread throughout all of our podcasts. So this is me calling out to all of our property manager friends, industry experts, and anyone knowing of those providing lodging for Ukrainian refugees seeking safety. You can contact me directly at will, with one L, W-I-L, at SlickTalkMedia.com. We have an internal document that is being updated in real time. So, if anyone could share this message within your network, we'd greatly appreciate it. I'm also placing in the show notes a link to our GoFundMe and landing page for Rentals to Rescue. That's RentalsToRescue.com, where we're putting funds together in order to again provide finances for any of these lodging and relocation needs. So, thank you so much for tuning into this quick message. I hope you guys are all well and safe, as I know we have tons of listeners in Ukraine and other countries in in Europe. So thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. What was the one thing that you've learned or taken from your entrepreneurial journey and that you would say would be really important for anybody else to just be aware of or to think about when they get into this, I don't know if you call it a journey or a lifestyle or whatever, but yeah, what would that one thing be?
1: I'd say that it's harder than it looks would be one. But at the same time, it's easier than it looks. It's keeping at it. Keep doing the next right thing. Keep the resilience going. Always be honest and transparent in your dealings. I believe in business karma. You know, what you put out there does come back. Always kind of just be a good person in business as well, I think is really important.
0: You're listening to Slick Talk, The Hospitality Podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, The Hospitality Podcast. Now, let's begin what's up all my slick talkers this episode is brought to you by my friends at hostfully Now, these are the days where enough is enough with managing multiple calendars for your properties in order just to make sure you don't get double booked and not having a website for your guests to get to know your story and book direct. You can stop stressing at least a little bit and check out my friends at Hostly. Hostly was created by hosts for hosts, and they understand the importance of centralizing operations, inboxes, calendars, and of course, keeping up with the times and the industry data. You can go to hostfully.com, use my code SLICKTALK20 to get access to their digital guidebooks and their property management software. I use them as well, and I love the simplicity of their product. Now, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now sit back and enjoy. All right, everybody, welcome back to Slick Talk. And this episode is so special because it's also super overdue. Um, So Jessica from Abode PR, we're good friends. We've been working together on one multiple podcast episodes, multiple uh, media and PR collaborations uh, in the past for the last, like, I would say, what, two years? So this podcast is definitely overdue, but welcome to the podcast, Jessica. How are you doing today?
1: I'm really good, Will. Thank you so much uh, for having me. And I remember when you sent us your, when you launched the podcast, you sent us uh, a request to interview you on our website and do an interview about, about you and about the podcast. And that, I mean, that was pre-COVID, you know, maybe it was even more than, it was more than two years ago.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. It was like early 2019 before everything. I think I was still a hotel manager at the time too. I don't know.
1: I think you were. Yeah, you were
0: yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we were doing the vacation rental mastermind series. We had Matt Landau and Breezeway, which is like uh, a big connection with us, and then we had noise aware, air DNA. so yeah, that was fun. That was a good series. Uh, yeah. takes me to, takes me back to the good old days. Um, <laughs> well, excited to jump into your story because I think when you and I did our pre-chat and all the audience members know that before any guest ever shows up on the show, we always have a conversation beforehand. Um, unless you're super special, we, you know, we just jump right in. But th- those are rare, rare moments. That'd be like a Brian Chesky thing where I'd be like, Hey, let's just record right now. You know, why not? Yeah,
1: super special or no time for the prequel.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. That too. Um, but I think it goes into, there's a lot to unpack with your story, a lot to unpack with PR and media. Um, so I kind of just want to jump right into how did you get into hospitality, travel, um, and then I saw on your previous experiences, you know, I did LinkedIn stalk you a little bit. Um, you know, getting a lot into content and marketing. So uh, maybe just kind to tell us the the beginning of your story and kind of where you got started with everything.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Will. And I was I was just going to say something about the fact that we've known each other two and a half years, which is a lifetime in this industry, so much changes in in such a short period of time. So even though, you know, it may not seem like a long time, it's a lifetime uh, in particularly in short term rentals. Um, Yeah, so I'll tell you my story, Will, I um, have been in travel for and I'm going to give my age away, so probably 25 years. And I, 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 despite my accent, I'm actually Canadian as well as British. and, And I've had a long kind of history with Canada, I've lived over there lots of different times, and it's been very much part of my DNA, although I, you know, am based in the UK now, although we work with quite a few Canadian companies. Um, But I, I had a dream after I finished university, and I wanted to start a travel company selling cottage holidays to Canada, lakeside Ontario cottage holidays. And it was a holiday that I used to do as a child. We'd go and visit my uncle in Ontario. We'd go up to the lake, stay 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 in at his cottage, canoe on the lake, listen to the loons, you know. And it was, in my view, it was the most ideal vacation that anybody could have. But it was a product that people in the UK knew nothing about. Now, remember, this is way before... You know, Airbnb. We did have the internet back then, but it was, you know, a long time ago. And I wanted to bring. I'm very entrepreneurial, kind of by nature, and I wanted to bring this product to the UK. I really saw it as a as a potential fit. And so I I, I went and got a job with the Canadian travel company in London, and I. And I started to get the knowledge about, you know, all about Canadian travel. And I loved it. And I ended up being the PR and marketing manager of this travel company. But that started me in travel. And I did actually set up my own travel company, a, a booking site called tryptos.com in, in, I think it was about 2011 that, that I did this. And um, so, so I was kind of in travel and in lodging. I've also worked in some other areas. I've done sort of things as boring as kind of electronics PR and and, and different types of sectors, but travel's always been in my DNA. And I launched my own, um, uh, and PR has always been in my DNA, but I launched my, my, my travel company and I did it for about three years. It, 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 it went well. And I actually sold Heather Bayer's cottages through this travel company. So I was kind of getting to know the vacation rental scene. And I did a lot of listening. And of course, things were really growing and building there. Air, Airbnb had launched. There was lots of tech solutions kind of coming. And my travel company didn't work. But... The PR side of the things did work and I decided to actually just focus on what I really loved, which is PR and marketing and uh, go that route. And so five years ago, I, I, I kind of just realized that there was a gap in the market here. Um, and, and I decided to specialize, like really become an expert in at the time we were just calling it the vacation rental industry. So become a real expert and very Quickly, I got some big clients, you know, one of the sort of the biggest PMSs in the space, big channel manager, a couple of really big operators as well. And from there, it's sort of grown. And, and the company, Abode PR, we've grown with it. So we, we now work with hotel technology and multifamily technology. We're going into some other lodging verticals. But that's really how I got into hospitality is initially just Canadian travel then into vacation rentals and now kind of beyond. And I absolutely love it. Like it's in my DNA, that travel hospitality side.
0: I love it. And congratulations on five years. I think that's a you know, that's a big celebration for business. It's a big celebration for you as a person, um, especially knowing that you had a company prior to Abode. So I want to ask you a question. I wrote it down while you were talking because it just kind of, was one of those questions I didn't want to forget, but um, for you, where do you think your entrepreneurial itch or aspirations come from? Um, Were you exposed to, you know, entrepreneurs early on, or were you just kind of always that free spirit that just, you know, it's great to get, you know, a nice steady income, but at the end of the day, you want to do it on your own terms. Um, What was that? What was that initial drive from?
1: Well, I I would say I'm unemployable. Like I can't have somebody else as my boss is probably why (laughs) let's do this but but there is I think it's for me it's a drive it's a creative drive and for me business is my creative outlet now when I was when I was a child I probably had about five businesses before I even got into high school and my first business I was about eight or nine and I invented this thing called the chest warmer and it was a knitted it was like a, a knitted square and it was we I grew up in Hong Kong till I was eight or nine and then we moved to England and it was very cold in England so I invented this thing this woolen thing that people could put here and I sold it for a pound on the streets of Oxford which is where we were and people actually bought it for that and that was my first invention and my first business and I had you know lots of other ones all through school and so I just think it's 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 a spirit it's a it's a drive I, it's what gets me up in the morning is that creative growing. And I love working with other entrepreneurs and also, you know, businesses, because I love watching them grow and improve and all of those things. And I think also that I would be, you know, I'd be terrible if I had a boss. Although I, you know, I have lots of bosses because we have lots of clients, but actually, somebody telling me what to do would be very difficult for me.
0: Yes. I always wondered why I had trouble, not that I was a bad employee but why I had trouble when I was like get, I would get shut down with ideas or whatever. Um, but it's just so funny to see, like, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid and I did, I was a horrible drawer. Like you should never ask me to draw or sketch anything ever like horrible idea. But I was a kid. I drew like these like superhero alien things. I sold them to my neighbors and they actually bought them for like, I don't know, like maybe 50 cents at a time. Um, and then I did lemonade stands, but no one actually sat down and was like, Hey, what you're doing like this, like idea of I'm going to create something to sell a product or service to sell to strangers or people in your neighborhood. Like no one sat down and was like, this is an entrepreneurial like trait. You should probably explore this. Maybe you should, you know, high school, I sold candy bars. I did all those stuff without like really knowing what entrepreneurism was. Um, Did you ever have somebody kind of come in and mentor you in that sense of like, Hey, Jessica, I don't know if you know this, but all these things that you've done over your life, um, maybe as a close friend or family member, but um you know all these things that you've done really show case like that you're an entrepreneur you're you're not a worker you're you're a queen bee, you need to be the queen bee and stop working for other people is there was there ever a moment like that for you?
1: Yeah, so I would say in my family, my mother is is very similar to me, so she she had always had a business and was very supportive in 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 allowing that side of me to flourish, so I would say definitely my mother. And also her family—they're all self-employed. On my mother's side of the family, of, of, of varying, you know, successes and varying types of businesses. So it was—it was really kind of in the family culture to do it. But I've had so many mentors as well, with the different businesses, different, you know. I couldn't do anything that I that I do without having mentors, coaches, mentors, some paid, some unpaid, advisors. You know, it's—it's it's very much. Uh, I have a real kind of support network of, of, of expertise around me and have done, you know, for many, many years.
0: I love it. And can I ask for when you started your first company to abode, did you take a break at all? Did you have like a moment where you needed to sit down and reflect, or did you kind of just jump right into PR? Like, you're like, you know what, this isn't working this or it's not working the way I want it to. I want to go with my passion into PR. Did you just jump right in?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because when I did the travel company, I really thought that was my passion. You know, I'd wanted to do that for for years until I was finally able to kind of launch and and do that. So so the transition actually to to abode and doing you know PR rather than running a you know running a digital platform, kind of came naturally actually. And I you know I and and people came to me because I would get to know people and 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 almost it came by default. People would say you know would you do this for us, we see that you're good at that, or could you do that? Or I'd see the opportunities. So, um, but I'm like anybody who's kind of started a business. I've had to do some things that I don't want to do as well. You know, I've had to do jobs that I haven't wanted to do or work with clients that I haven't wanted to make sure that I can do, you know, eventually. And now I'm at this place, you know, we have a team of 10 now, you know, this this is something quite substantial and we are growing. So, uh, you know, all the kind of things that I've done in the past have all led to this as well.
0: 100%. It's very inspirational to watch. You know, I think we, before COVID, how many people were you at when we met? Like three or four? Two. 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 Okay. Yeah.
1: We were two and we lost 80% of our business in the first week of COVID. Yeah. And then you know, within six months, I, you know, I knew that everything would be fine because that I had so many kind of requests for calls, etc. That just once the tech companies, you know, found their feet again, you know, this, everything was absolutely fine. You know, it was more the kind of uncertainty around the pandemic in the beginning.
0: Yeah.
1: To keep the faith, you know, well, for everybody.
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to say, let's talk about that. That's the biggest thing with entrepreneurship is that it's, it's, I hate describing it as a roller coaster, but you know, I quit my day job as a hotel manager, December 27th, 2019. I'll never forget the day but I'll never forget the day when I was in London at the Shorty's award, watching the president of the United States saying the borders are closed. No one's coming home basically. Um, unless you're an American and all this other stuff. And I was like, Oh great. And then, you know, we all thought two weeks, flatten the curve, like, great. Sounds fine like we've been through something like this before, probably maybe not my lifetime, but um, you know, going like, okay, whatever, it's going to be fine. And then just months and months and months kept dragging on. And like you said, lost 80% of your business. I lost everything too. Um, So let's talk about that. I I hate the roller coaster comparison, but it really is like a, like we talk about flex rentals, right? Like it's a flex thing. Like you just need to adapt. You just need to. um, The one thing I kept telling myself the first day of full-time self-employment, December 29th or 28th or whatever, um, was just keep swimming, sink or swim, sink or swim, sink or swim. Um, so let's talk about your, your experience getting through COVID. Hey, I hope you guys are enjoying this episode and I wanted to drop in quickly to let you know that our partners at Jetstream have some of the best in class technology that sits at the heart of the guest experience with a focus on generating revenue for your property assets. With their platform, your property gets the best-in-class tech and integrations to remote access, guest screening, booking protection, and payment processing. Better yet, their team does all of the hard work of 24-7 guest communication and content creation. So go ahead, click the link in the show notes so you can jump on board today and take advantage of their professional hospitality team. Now, we're back to the episode. Um, What what kept you... You know keeping the faith so to speak
1: yeah and I think a lot of it is down to resilience and grit and just to say I we were with you at the uh the short stay the shorties you know when when you when you knew you yeah. had to go back and yeah and I think was it your first trip outside of the U.S. or certainly to the U.K. What?
0: yeah it was my first trip to the U.K. I went to Mexico yeah. as a kid, but that's like the furthest I ever yeah. went
1: yeah, yeah. I think Helen and I wanted to mother you and like, make sure you were okay and everything. But um, just back to, so the pandemic, because I've been in travel for, you know, 25 years, I've seen actually a lot of things impact the travel industry. So 9-11, when it happened, people did for a period of time think that nobody would ever go on an airplane ever again. So it impacted the travel industry hugely but of course resilience it all came back and it came back even stronger you know more people were on planes all the kind of the the the, um low-cost carriers came in after that time so so what people thought was going to negatively impact travel it was a blip saying that you know i've worked in in the canadian travel canada had sars you know sars outbreaks you know years ago that really impacted whether people would want to go there so we've had and and again after a blip, it comes back stronger so i I knew that because if you think that we're in travel whether we're we 're in travel sort of an hour drive down the road or a flight across the world we 're still in travel. I knew that it would come back because you know as humans we, we we're innately desire to to explore and to kind of and have hospitality and 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 do different things and see different parts of the world, whether it is just parts of our own country, to, you know, in domestic tourism or it's further afield. So I kind of always knew that it would come back. And I just kept plugging away, you know, just kept, kept, kept the faith and just, you know, and, and I think I've been around in business to know that there, there are those peaks and troughs and there are those challenges and, and a lot of it is about problem solving and moving through challenges rather than, you know, just giving up. And, and I think that, it, you know, I probably did have a, a, there was a period of about a week where I kind of thought, yeah, maybe I'll go and be a nurse or something, you know, or, or just do something different. But it was a fleeting, fleeting, you know, it's in, it, as I have sort of said, it's in my DNA to grow something and create something and fix challenges and find solutions. So, you know, there was, there was no question that it wouldn't just keep, keep going forwards. But I also have to do things like take care of myself really well. You know, I have a meditation practice, I exercise, I rest, I have a really good work-life balance, you know, those sorts of things so that I've got what I need to do a really good job when I need to do it.
0: Did you start implementing better work-life balance during COVID or was that always a practice prior to everything happening? Um, I think a lot of founders that I've noticed or have interviewed. They've either had it in the beginning because they knew that they needed some kind of unplug. Um, the one like thing any social setting, people are like, "What do you do for work?" And I tell them, "You know, run a podcast." Blah blah blah. And then they go, "Oh, that's really great. What do you do for a hobby?" I'm like, "I don't have a hobby." <laughs> um, so for uh, for you, did you always have that kind of practice in place, or did kind of COVID help you reset with that?
1: I did actually already have that in place, so I had those foundational um, skills. And I kind of, I guess, an inner resource as well. I kind of already had that. But, you know, COVID was difficult for, for other reasons. You know, I have two ch- children. You know, suddenly they're at home and I'm trying to get them to learn. You know, they're teenagers. So, you know, I, I was lucky in a way that they could sort of teach themselves. But still, you know, that was kind of the challenge was how to, how to sort of navigate that. Um, so, sure. yeah.
0: While managing your own workload. Um, yep. Can I ask for just for the audience sake, I know we've mentioned about PR a couple of times, but what does, what really goes into PR? You and I kind of geeked out a little bit about this on our pre-call, but, you know, saying PR isn't just a press release. It's not It's not just submitting an article to a news publication, but what, what really goes into what you guys do and what you build? Because obviously a team of 10 is no, it's no, I guess, thing to kind of bat an eye at, right? Like you... You've yeah. built something where you've provided enough work for 10 people to really provide value into the industry, whether it's for the clients or for the readers or for even the news outlets that, you know, we can consider us a part of that. You know, we get to interview a lot of your clients. So, um, yeah, what, what really goes into a PR company?
1: Yeah, no, it's a really good question. And if we think about what we do, one of the the kind of the, the main things that we do for, for brands is that we build trust in them. So we build their reputation, their trust and their influence. We do other things as well. We might help them get into new markets or help them position themselves in, in, in a way that they want to position. But essentially it's around building trust in their, in their offering so that they can make better sales or they can have better partnerships, those sorts of things. So typically when we start working with, with, with a company, we do foundational work. So we will look at their strategy, would look at their business goals and make sure that their PR goals or their content marketing. So we have two offerings. We do the, the PR, which is all the kind of third party stuff. And then we do the content side, which is all blogs, white papers, etc., for their own inbound. But so essentially in the beginning, we'd look at what do they need to achieve? What are their business goals? How can we help them reach their audiences and influence their audiences? in a way that builds trust in them. So so we do that kind of foundational work. We do things like, how do we talk about them? How do they talk about themselves? What kind of publications kind of fit them? What stories? It's a lot of looking at what stories we can talk about then we'd also we do all b2b pr so it's we don't do any kind of consumer very little consumer facing stuff so so a lot of it might be around looking at thought leadership development so looking at their c-suite and what can they what can they add to the conversations that are going on in 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 the marketplace in the industry We do things like speaking you know we help to get them speaking opportunities conference opportunities we look at data that they could be using and you know data sources that they could be uh, looking at in order to tell data stories in the industry so so on a kind of a a typical engagement and i always say press releases really there's only two two news it's it's funding and acquisitions that's really the rest is news but it's, and it's news that we need to get out there, but it should only really be 10% of a, of a PR program. The rest is around, you know, looking at other ways to execute, getting your, you know, your, your name out there, helping people understand what you do. So that might be through uh, editorials, bylines, interviews, comment. It could be through the content side of things uh, speaking opportunities, awards, you know, all of that. So it's a kind of a full circle package.
0: That's awesome. And can you describe for just listeners and and even for myself, maybe, um, you know, the difference between B2B and B2C, because I think, like, I know we work, we're, we're very much a B2B brand when it comes to podcasts, because we really address the operators. We don't address the guests and the traveler as much. Um, but. For you, what does that look like when you're kind of, you know, working with a client on this? Um, And maybe the big difference points that uh, anyone listening could really apply to their strategy.
1: So, So I actually, when I started my career, I was B2C. So B2C, business to consumer. Typically, for for the tech companies, but also, you know, large property managers or any kind of property managers, it's actually business to business. So most property managers don't struggle to get guests, you know, if they're using the channels and the distribution, um, you know, it's not really about the problem about getting guests, it might be about getting better guests or better paying guests But it's really about getting the owners, you know, and and growing the inventory so they can grow their businesses. But because we work with the tech companies, their customers are the operators. It might be there'll be influencers as well. So so typically it's the operator that will buy the SaaS product, but they're influenced By their owners or they might be influenced by the guests as well wanting a particular feature or or having a need so for instance you know during covid more and more guests wanted keyless entry and and that kind of thing so that they're an influencer to the purchasing decisions of the property manager but you could say that we're b2b to c as well so our customers customers are you know their guests so guests are fundamental and and whether those guests are in a short-term rental a property or a hotel or you know some of the other sectors that we're going into which is the senior living the later living the retirement villages whether it's tenants in those or tenants in multifamily, they're vital like we cannot ignore them but they're not the ones that are putting their money in their their pocket and buying something but they could be their influencer buyers so so the business to business is that we're reaching businesses not consumers However, businesses are full of individuals. You know, that, I don't know if you have this phrase in the US, but, you know, over here we say people do business with people. Yeah. So it's about making sure there's, there's that visibility as well and, and realizing they're not a commodity. Like they, they do have individual challenges and needs and personas uh, and all of that. So, so really it's just that. And I, I, you know, I've done lots of B2C, but I love B2B because we're able to shape and and we work quite often. We'll work with the C suite with the companies. You know, we'll work with the CEO, or and 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 we're able to kind of get that, do a two way conversation by providing them with insight, but also getting their feedback as well. And I don't think you get that in ab two C environment so much.
0: Yeah, and that's a big reason, kind of why we're for the at least the podcast that you're on now is why we kind of shifted away from like interviewing directors or even just even a COO, like we want to interview the founders and the CEOs are making the big decisions because it it makes a little bit more of a difference on the conversation and flow, especially because you're getting that direct, you know, type of access. Um, So I'm pretty sure you're seeing that with, you know, all the PR stuff that you guys are doing. But I kind of want to ask on going into, in the beginning, you said when you started Abode, you really went into short-term rentals, right? That, That was your niche. You were specifically B2B short-term rentals and now you've expanded into not only hotels but now talking about senior living and co-living and all these other things so what is your biggest lesson learned or the biggest thing that you've taken from the short-term rental phase of your business to the now broader sense of travel living and overall lodging I guess you can call it
1: yeah and it's not by coincidence that we're now entering these other markets I mean partially it's because we've worked with clients that are are looking into these other sectors and we didn't see that before covid you know everyone was right str vacation rentals that's the only place we're going to be but we work you know we work with a number of companies that, that are looking at ho- some are looking at hotels and, and still staying in that travel others more the multifamily, the flex but also you know senior living and i think the thing about um short-term rentals is is the technology is has it has made great waves you know it's really disruptive there's lots of young companies and by that I don't mean young as in you know young in years I mean young yeah yeah but also just innovative young kind of feisty and there's been a lot of that and that I think that the potential in those other lodging sectors is huge you know not just for uh You know, it's huge because a lot of the solutions that we have in short-term rentals, not all of them, of course, but even if it's not the exact company, but with with translation, they can fit in these other things. Because what have you got? You've got property managers. All those other verticals have property managers or hotel managers. They also have guests, tenants. Guest experience is really important managing operational management is really important. So, so it's kind of a natural fit, not just for us, but with a lot of the vendors, I believe as well.
0: Totally agree. And that was the biggest thing I, I think I saw when I was a hotel manager was going into, you know, as I was putting my toe into vacation rentals, I was like, the technology is really solving the issues I'm experiencing as a hotel manager. I'm getting calls from my front desk agents at night in the morning in the afternoon, because Booking.com didn't sync with this and didn't sync with that. And now we have guests showing up with no reservations. And it's just like all this craziness that you're like, why is this so old and legacy? Like, it doesn't make sense. It's, it was it was broken. Um, and then seeing the vacation rental side just really innovate into that, and especially with operations, you know, going into, you know, companies like Breezeway and, and others. It's just, it's crazy to see how many problems have been solved in such a, I guess, underlooked or undervalued sector of hospitality i would say in that time you know hotels were very much you know screw short-term rentals we're going to regulate them we're going to get them out of business airbnb's the worst they're you know, taking our business blah 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 um so it's it's very interesting to see kind of now the shifts right now that all the tech is kind of saying hey we're not just short-term rentals we're we perfected it over here kind of like what you guys are talking about with the boat right you, you've been in short-term rentals now let's Let's bring the world to what we've done, and uh, it's really incredible and kind of uh, fun to watch on a on a higher level scale for for me at yeah. least.
1: And I think the thing with short term rentals, and, and I've heard others say this, is that they're difficult to manage. Like they they are a difficult business to run. So if you can solve solutions in that business, it's a lot easier to do it in a hotel that has 50 of the same rooms, you know, not units spread out all over town or, you know, so, so, so if you've got that, if you, if you've been smart enough to solve solutions there, you can do it elsewhere as well.
0: 100%, 100% agreed. Um, Well, my kind of one of my favorite wrap up questions and just kind of questions in general for that I was thinking about for you um, is, you know, you've been multi entrepreneur, you've, it's in your DNA, you talk about it multiple times on the episode already. Um, if you could have one listener or any listener that's listening to this episode or that comes across you and abode, um, what was the one thing that you've learned or taken from your entrepreneurial journey and that you would say would be really important for anybody else to kind of just be aware of or, or to, to think about when they get into this, this, I don't know if you call it a journey or a lifestyle or whatever, but, um, yeah, what what would that one thing be?
1: I'd say that it's, it's harder than it looks would be one. Uh, But at the same time it's easier than it looks. And that's as kind of a paradox because you've got to get go through, you know, you have to just keep and it's the grit and resilience that we talked about before. You know, when something disappointing happens, you know, a a key member of staff leaves or a you know a client leaves or you know you you don't you don't get the thing that you thought you were going to get. It's keeping at it or COVID comes and it smashes out your business. You know, it's keeping at it. Keep doing the next right thing. Keep the resilience going. Always be honest and transparent in your dealings. You know, I believe in business karma. You know, what you put out there does come back. So, uh, you know, always kind of just be a good person in business as well, I think is really important. Now, I'm really big in wanting to support women in 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 business. And, and uh, so that's something that also, you know, there are other there are challenges, you know, there are challenges. um, And, you know, it's, it's, it's no kind of it's it's not a sort of coincidence or whatever that we don't see many females at the real c-suites of of various companies because we don't or on board seats um so that's something as well that that is quite dear to my heart
0: i love that yeah no it's uh i'm i'm a man of five sisters and uh like way more nieces and i have nephews out of the 11 of them uh so i am very passionate about that as well and i i think what you're doing, just setting a good example, right? Like I think that's we don't have enough good examples, if that makes sense. We have great founders and entrepreneurs, but um, there's a lot of the the bad apples that get the attention, and that's what that's what sucks about the whole. You know, I guess maybe not pr. Maybe it's a pr thing. Maybe their pr people are just really good at finding the bad press releases to put out there. But it's uh, it's just very much, yeah. I don't know. I don't really know how to like tie that thought up, but. Yeah, I I love that you're doing that, and just being a good example. I think uh, one thing that I learned from my time in the military was, one of our uh, platoon sergeants said that you know we set the standard, right? Like we have the standard of here, this is what the army tells us we need to do. We can set it higher. We don't need to just settle for this. So I think what you're doing is really setting a standard that not only was here for a lot of people, but now you've raised it. So it's really cool to see see bring that bring that challenge to life. Um, One last question that I have. And it's always my favorite question to ask for everybody that is on the show. But if you could put one link in the show notes for any listener to click immediately and follow you or check out, would it be your website LinkedIn? what would it be for them?
1: I think it would be my personal LinkedIn because I'm always really big on personal connections and and, and, just meeting people in the industry, whether they're a property manager with five properties you know, or a potential client, you know, I love to know what people's challenges are and and what's keeping them up at night, but what also they're really excited about. So probably my, my personal LinkedIn.
0: Perfect. Well, I'll make sure that we link it in the show notes for everybody so that they can connect with you. Um, I love LinkedIn, so I'm glad you chose that one instead of, you know, Instagram or Facebook. Um, but this has been a really fun episode, Jessica, and getting to hear your story and diving into the kind of just the, the amazing growth and business that you've built is is really incredible. So you're not just the, the woman behind the scenes creating this PR masterpiece for everybody else, but you are an incredible founder yourself. So it's just really cool to get your story out there.
1: Thank you, Will. That's really sweet. Thank you.
0: Of course. Well, listeners, you have heard it here first. So if you liked what you heard in this episode, go ahead and check out the show notes, like and subscribe to everything about PR and follow Jessica on LinkedIn. And of course, we'll see you guys all again next week. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoyed the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on SlickTalkThePodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week. As I've been growing my business and finding new ways to add to my property portfolio, I have to think about how I can anticipate the homeowner's needs, just like I do for my guests. One of the things owners always ask is, how is my property going to be protected? What happens if something gets damaged or worse? These are valid questions and concerns and I have an opportunity to address these concerns before they even get mentioned, all thanks to having Safely as part of my toolkit. I can ensure all stakeholders are covered during a guest stay and use this information as a way to grow my business by ensuring my property owners know they can trust that I have them covered. If you're a professional property manager, then you need to get safely in your tool belt so you can focus on operating and growing your business. Thanks for listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now, back to an episode.